0: For man himself, no suitable partner, was found in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. On the sixth day of the drama of creation, after making the heavens and carving the earth, and calling forth the various forms of life to inhabit the earth, God, the mighty creator, reached, reached down to the earth and took a clod of clay in his loving and venerable hands. And breathing into it an immortal soul, he recited the first words of consecration. This is my image and likeness and it became man, Adam. Placed in dominion over all the visible creation, Adam came to know God more and more. But as he loved God, in whose image and likeness he had been made, a sudden and deep loneliness swept over him. Adam sensed that despite everything around him, he was nonetheless alone. He recognized that he was incomplete. He knew that he was and what he was, but he wanted so much to discover who he was. God realized that Adam was alone and felt a void within himself which nothing on earth or heaven could relieve. And when man turned to God, the awareness of incompleteness became even more intense. God saw that it was not good for man to be alone. He needed a suitable helpmate He needed another self. So the Lord God led before his Adam a procession of animals, even perhaps a friendly dog. But none, none of them proved to be the suitable helpmate the heart of the lonely Adam sought. The Lord God then gave Adam a general anesthesia. Anesthesia, He put him into a deep, deep sleep. In Genesis, the Hebrew word used here for sleep, tardima, was translated into Greek as ecstasy, from which we derive the English word ecstasy. While Adam was in his deep, ecstatic sleep, God reached down to earth once more to create. But instead of digging up the clay of the earth, he went inside Adam's body and took out that part of him closest to the heart, the rib, whose bone would always remember The beat of Adam's heart. And God created woman. I understand that even today, among some Middle Eastern Arabs, they refer to their beloved as their rib, as we refer to our beloved as our sweetheart. God did not make woman from the ground as he made Adam and the animals. Now, if God would have created the woman, Eve, from the dust of the earth, she would have been a totally separate, independent, solitary being. The universe would then be divided not into two halves, into two holes and the sexes male and female would not be complementary sexes which they are but opposite sexes which they are not God took the woman and just like the father of the bride brought her to the youthful Adam when Adam saw Eve he was struck with amazing joy and filled with exultation. At once he sang the world's first love song. This, at last, is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Pope John Paul II, commenting on these words of Adam, says, Joy in the other human being in the second self, it dominates in the words spoken by the man, the male, on seeing the woman, the female. All that helps to establish the full meaning of original unity. The words here are few, but each of us, each, of, each is of great weight. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. The two halves of creation, male and female. Unisex is a catastrophic and sacrilegious denial of the complementarity of the universe. The Bible says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female. He created them. The reason why Adam had felt loneliness was that in beholding God, he realized there was something lacking in the imaging of God. He found the answer in Eve, his other self. And unlike the animals of creation, Eve was a suitable partner or helper for him. Eve could enter dialogue with Adam, sharing the feelings of their hearts. She could laugh with him, rejoice with him, cry with him, be one bodily with him. Man who is male and woman who is female would awaken in each other a similarity to God and summon forth from the recess of the heart a promise to love and be without each other forever. For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. And remembering the imaging of God, who is a community of three persons, they would beget a third. To deny the differences of the sexes is to reject the creation narrative of Genesis, which God himself authored, and to make impossible true intimacy between husband and wife. If men and women are the same, then neither can be special. But it is because each one is unique that men and women can be equal. The marital act restores, at least for one splendid moment, the original unity of the human person. Woman came out of man. In the marriage act, they have become one again. Two in one flesh. Because male and female were made separate, so as to become one, the foundation of marriage is that merging of two hearts and souls which still retain their own identity. Pope John Paul II called this "bi-subjectivity." two in one flesh. What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Death is a testimony to the reality of this bi-subjectivity of husband and wife. The death of a spouse is a wrenching of a soul from a body. Something is missing which cannot be replaced. When I was returning from Fairfax Cemetery after having buried my father, I heard my mother say to herself, Half of me is gone. Adam realized that he was not complete. That somewhere there had to be someone who could answer his loneliness. When he beheld God, his awareness of his incompleteness grew even more intense. God created woman for man, thus making her Adam's other self. When one experiences the loss of a spouse, they experience a diminishment. They know by their pain that half of them is gone. If husband and wife are two in one flesh, then the happiness of one depends on the happiness of the other. St. Thomas Aquinas' definition of love, vele bonum, To wish the other person their good is best seen in the relationship of husband and wife. Mutual love, two in one flesh. Not his or hers, but ours. Not he or she or me or you, but we. Young people today have to learn this they have to realize that marriage is diametrically opposed to self-centeredness and reshaping marriage according to self, the selfishness appetites of present-day culture eventually destroys the couple. It certainly obliterates romance. Romance is based on being centered on the other. Marriage likewise must be other-centered, very bodum. Do you remember Mrs. Anatole Sharansky? Some may. She's a lesson to young people today. You probably recall her from TV news, from newspapers, from television interviews. She and her husband were deeply in love with each other. And when they got married, they experienced what every other married couple expects, to live happily ever after together. However, this was not to be. Immediately, immediately, after the wedding, before the honeymoon started, even before the marriage was consummated, Anatole was seized and arrested by the Soviet KGB and put in a prison in Siberia. His spouse, his other half, was just dumbstruck, devastated. She wanted her husband back. She demanded the Russians release him. They ignored her. Then she went from capital to capital to capital, pleading for help. She wanted her other half back. She even went to the Vatican and implored Pope John Paul for prayers. For nine years, she traveled the globe, banging on doors, asking for her husband back. Finally, President Ronald Reagan persuaded the Soviets to let him go. What love! It is recorded in holy scripture. Set me as a seal upon thy heart. Wear me as a seal upon thy arm. For love is as strong as death, and passion as unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, and a flood cannot sweep it away. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen.